is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed today. The topic today is Bishop Victor Gallione, a priest, a friend, and a bishop. Bishop Victor Gallione was a priest from the Archdiocese of Baltimore for many years. He has served as the pastor of St. Thomas More Parish in North Baltimore at St. Agnes in Catonsville. He was named the Bishop of St. Augustine, Florida for 10 years. Great blessing, beginning in 2001. And then when he retired, he went to a Trappist monastery in South Carolina. And he passed away recently, May 29th, 2023, at age 87. So just very beloved priest of your archdiocese and as a priest, a missionary, a, a friend and a bishop. So I thought it just fitting to really hear more about his life. And we have really one of his best friends, Monsignor Jim Farmer, with us today. Monsignor Farmer is 43 years a priest in the archdiocese. He's uh, currently the administrator of Immaculate Conception, and we are blessed to have you today. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here, Father. What a great blessing. Father Victor, as many people knew him, such a dear to so many people in the Archdiocese and, and obviously beyond the Archdiocese. When did you first get to know him? I first met him in the early 80s or 82, 83. We became very close friends from that day on. And tell me, tell me a little bit more about just about your relationship. I know you used to go fishing and, and other things together. Yeah, what was, your, what was your relationship like? Yes, well, we belonged to the same Emmaus Priest Prayer Group for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And we also were good friends uh, socially. We would fish together in all kinds of weather, summer, winter, whatever it was. Some days there'd be icicles hanging on our fishing rods in the dead of winter. But we, <laughs> we went out anyhow mm-hmm. and had a real good time. Mm-hmm. Not catching fish. Although he was a good fisherman, catching fish is better at catching people for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. He just he had a heart for the Lord, a a love for the Catholic Church. Sure. What was your experience of him just as a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore? Well, Father, no, he was totally devoted to Jesus. He, as a thirteen-year-old young boy, he entered the seminary, high school seminary. He knew his entire life. He's meant to be a priest. And his devotion to Jesus and to the people whom he served was absolutely extraordinary. He lived for, for Jesus, others, not for himself. He was a model mm-hmm. priest in every respect of the word. Mm-hmm. And he served in a number of different parishes. What are some examples of, uh, of him that really inspired you as him as a priest? Yes, he served. His first assignment was in St. Bernadine's in West Baltimore then. Also, he was St. William, New York, West Baltimore. He also then became the Latin teacher at the Seminary High School, St. Paul's Day Seminary, and then became principal mm-hmm. of that seminary a little later. But he, his goal was to bring people to Jesus and Jesus to people. He did that with extraordinary compassion. I can recall one time a man committed suicide. He went and just stayed with his family, he actually went into the room and helped clean up the blood from the person who killed himself. Mm-hmm. He, he, everything he did was help people. 
to know Jesus. And the compassion mm-hmm. Jesus brought, he brought that in the people. Also, he was always willing to take any assignment he was asked to take. He transferred many times. There's a great story about him. Monsignor John Hour, who was a, priest, a wonderful priest in Baltimore, was a missionary with the St. James Society in South America. Mm-hmm. And Monsignor Hour came back to Baltimore to give a talk about it. And so inspired Bishop Gallion as a young man, he said he wouldn't do that. So he asked for permission, spent 11 years in the missions of South America for the poorest people in the world, helping them, serving them to know Jesus. Also helped them with their, their corporal needs as well. So he, whatever needs to be done, he did it. Not only did he do God's will, he wanted to do God's will. And really that, that, that missionary heart that he has and this spirit of simplicity and poverty, can you speak about that? Because that was pretty well known for spirit of simplicity and, and even poverty in, in his priesthood. Oh, yes. He was a man who lived for others. He was very, very abstemious with food and drink. Often he would fast a great deal, gave all his money to the missions and to, and to the poor in the neighborhoods. He insisted on driving a real old car that was, that was a stick shift because we used mm-hmm. less gasoline. That way he had more money to give to the missions. He had mm-hmm. very few possessions, and he wanted very few possessions. He had one sweater, old, old sweater. And mm-hmm. one day, one of our priest meetings, someone said, Victor, you need a new sweater. He said, I do not. He said, my mother made this sweater for me, the only sweater I need. <laughs> wow. That's beautiful. Yes. I, I remember. I remember his car. He, he didn't have air conditioning in his car, so he would leave his hatchback open, really? <laughs> and yes. it would there'd be air. There's nothing in the car, so no one would steal it, uh, anything. I remember one time I was a semin- stationed as a seminarian when he was at St. Thomas More, where you were, Monsieur Farmer, and I remember we went to a there was a, a fried chicken place. It was you know a little bit up a notch from KFC, but it was somewhere. And I remember when he was standing in line, he said. Now, Brian, I, I, I never do this. I never, I'm really, I really apologize. I never go out to eat. <laughs> you know, I remember thinking, like, it wasn't yeah. an expensive place at all. <laughs> right. Went to the restaurant one time for lunch, which is rare for him. And it was, the lady gave the menu, and he said, well, can you have a half a sandwich? <laughs> half mm-hmm. was always one. He didn't want a whole sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> usually, but if I don't drink water, usually also. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a seminarian there, on Saturday night, seminarians were in charge of cooking. He said, Brian, we're having pork and beans every Saturday night. You're in charge of the pork and, of, of cooking the hot dogs and the baked beans, and I'll make the broccoli. And oh, we're going to have that every Saturday yes, night. Yes. <laughs> right. Just a, a, a simple heart. Now, he, he had a great uh, Italian spirit about him. He loved to sing. Tell me your experience about that. He would just express this, this, uh, this Italian joyfulness and, and love for the Lord and, and, yes. and love for music. Talk, talk about that. On our off days, we fished together every every week for almost 25 years. And on our off days, we'd be fishing. He'd be singing Italian songs. He insisted <laughs> that his singing of the Italian songs while the fish were biting. <laughs> There's no evidence to prove that, but that was, he insisted upon that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sense of <laughs> whatever it takes, and he would share. Yeah, to to attract the fish, and he would do that even in his priesthood. He had a great love for his people and, and love for families. Speak more about yes, uh, just your experience of just his, his sense of pastoral ministry with people. He had a tremendous ability to greet people. 
he had a beautiful smile. I met somebody for the first time. He was very interested in knowing about them. He wouldn't listen to what they had to say. He, he welcomed people because he saw in each person the goodness of Jesus. And mm-hmm. his, his warmth and his compassion and his sincerity won people over immediately, immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gave a, just, a, just a complete attention. His attention to Christ overflowed to his attention to the, to the person in front of him. Uh, which is which is yes. frankly a, a sign of sanctity, a sign of sanctity of just being present and loving the person in front of you, and and even looking supernaturally to see the uh, the face of Christ in them. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I, I, can you speak about you had shared about his experience of when he goes to a new parish? I think you had shared that the first place when he got to the new parish was I want to meet the poor or those in need here. Who who are the poor in the neighborhood? And can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Whenever he went to a new assignment, he would always say, seek out those first who are most needy, whatever capacity they may be. And he would welcome people who had fallen away from the faith. He would welcome those who maybe had just had death in the family or who were having marital problems or drug problems or alcohol problems or gambling problems. He saw his role as to help people who had addictions and other issues to realize that the power of Jesus conquered, can conquer those problems and rely upon Jesus. He was a vehicle brought to those people that capacity. He also had a tremendous desire to help poor people. And he did that by giving them whatever they, you know, they, they needed uh, as he could afford financially for their, not only their spiritual needs, but their corporal needs as well. Corporal needs of mercy were a very big part of his priesthood when he became bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember him. He would meet people at the door who had knees, and he would talk to them. He, he was yes. also not afraid of making sure to verify that someone's not just telling them a story. <laughs> you know, I remember oh, one time he, he was not naive. Can you can you share an observation about that? Well, he knew how to assess a person very quickly, mm-hmm. and while he was very compassionate, he would not let himself be co-opted by those who were up to swindle him. So he was he was very astute when it came to human psychology. Mm-hmm. I remember one time at St. Agnes, he uh, had told the story of someone who had said, I, I have need. And, and, and he says, oh, where's your family? And he said, they're over in the mall there. And he says, they're over in the mall there. Are they, are they waiting for you? Oh, yes, they're waiting for me. He's like, well, let's go over there right now. And the person's like, no, no, they're probably busy. Because <laughs> he, right. he, yeah, he, yeah. he had a compassionate heart and a generous heart, but he didn't want to be taken as a fool. He was wise in, in, in those ways. Bishop Victor Gallion, what a great blessing. This is our, our first segment. We're just talking a little bit more about some of his virtues, including of simplicity, heart for the poor, his, his zeal for, for souls and ministry. In this next segment, we're going to a little bit more of just some other virtues of, of, of Victor Gallion, including the sacrificial life of as a bishop in serving the diocese and even as a in the monastery down in South Carolina. So when we get back, we'll, we'll talk more about that. I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio, and we'll be right back. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. 
the Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Catholic Review Media captured 60 honors from three press associations for work published and broadcast in 2022. More than half were first-place awards. The Maryland-Delaware-D.C. Press Association again recognized Catholic Review Media as large non-daily news organization of the year for the fifth year in a row. Catholic Review Media's survey, rebranding, and redesign project was also voted by the MDDC for Best Moves, which honored important initiatives within member publications. Staff members were noted for overall excellence, including Gabriella O'Brien as Designer of the Year for both MDDC and the Catholic Media Association. George Matisak Jr., a second runner-up for Editor of the Year from the CMA, and correspondent Rena Bittner for Best-in-Class blog from the Associated Church Press. Wins encompassed all categories of work, including photography, design, reporting, social media, and radio and podcasting. To see a full list of the awards, visit catholicreview.org. To mark the end of the listening phase of Seek the City to Come, the Archdiocese of Baltimore invites Catholics to attend a June 27th celebration at the Cathedral of Mary, our Queen in Homeland, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. More than 2,000 are expected to take part in the festivities, which will include a liturgy and is promoted as an opportunity to share faith, fellowship, and feedback. Seek the City is the pastoral planning initiative of the Archdiocese concerning the future of parishes in Baltimore City and some faith communities in the county. For more information, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are blessed today. We're talking about Bishop Victor Gallione, who passed away recently. Bishop Victor was a, a priest, uh, a friend, and, and a bishop. And we're here with Monsignor Farmer, really one of his best friends, but not his best friend. And welcome back, Monsignor Farmer. Well, thank you, Father Nolan. Father Farmer, can you talk more about, I mean, he was known, but it's the hidden life. He was a man of great faith, and he kindled it with, with daily prayer and really a, an intentional spiritual life. Can you speak to, speak to that? Because many times that's behind the scenes. Uh, tell me about he was, how he was just a, a, just a man and a witness of, of, of faith and, and living a, a, a very intentional spiritual life as, as a priest and as a Christian. Yes. His, his life really had three pillars. He, he, they were faith in God. And, um, particularly, he had tremendous devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. He very devoted to the Blessed Mother. But his three pillars were faith, family, and friends. And they, they anchored his marvelous life. He had tremendous mm-hmm. devotion to the Blessed Sacrament. He would spend mm-hmm. hours each day, early in the morning, in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. He would kneel when he prayed, and that energized him for the day's activity. He slept very little. He worked all day and all, half the night, but prayer came first. Mass was first thing in the morning, following his holy hour. Then he was strengthened to carry on the enormous duties and responsibilities which he assumed as priest and as bishop. Mm-hmm. I remember that 
I think he would start his day at Thomas Moore. Was it four thirty or five o'clock? Or he would get in to maybe pray, yeah. pray from five to six thirty. Yeah, every morning. Yes. Mm-hmm. And another mm-hmm. thing, the story about him, because he, he knelt down so much, he developed enormous calluses on his knees. They were massive calluses. Mm-hmm. One day, our maze priest Parker was in Ocean City for vacation. We're all sitting on the beach. One of the priests said, Victor, what's wrong with your knees? And Victor did not answer. The priest again said, Victor, what's wrong with your knees? Again, did not answer. Next day, he wore long pants to the beach. Nobody could see his knees, such as his humility. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What a, a great gift and a, a Eucharistic love as, as the source of life. We talk about the Eucharist as the source and summit of our faith. He lived that. He lived that. And yes, he did. Jesus was the source and summit of, of everything he did. How, can you can you talk about his love for the Blessed Mother? Yes. He had dev- very strong devotion to the Blessed Mother. He said the rosary every single day. And he believed that Mm-hmm. Blessed Mother was a great example for, for all women to, to follow because she, the Blessed Mother, is a guide for holiness for women. He had tremendous respect for women. He was very, very upset that they were at times being taken advantage of by men. He was very strong in defending, in defending women mm-hmm. and motherhood, yes. And how about... Obviously, one of the great gifts for the church, really, is I believe it was while he was at St. Agnes, he received a phone call to become the Bishop of St. Saint, St. Augustine, Florida. Speak about that, that life and mission as a, as, a, as a shepherd of a diocese, especially because in Baltimore, we didn't see that up close, um, but many people and many of the diocese were affected so beautifully. Can you speak about just his work as, and service as Bishop in Florida? Well, at age 66, he received a phone call become the bishop of St. Augustine by the Apostolic Delegate, he tried very hard to decline that call because he said, you know, he really wasn't worthy to do that, such was his humility. But the Apostolic Delegate told him that the Pope wants it, so he accepted that out of obedience. But upon arriving in, in St. Augustine, he immediately assessed the situation there and became very interested in two, it's actually three new opportunities. One was prison ministry. He saw mm-hmm. a tremendous need to help people who were incarcerated, and he spent a great deal of time with folks in jail and in prison, particularly those in death row. Mm-hmm. He also became aware of the Chinook Glow program in St. Augustine, which is a very, very successful drug rehabilitation program where people commit to three years there to turn their life around with Jesus' help overcoming their addictions. And when he had a little free time, he would spend his free time there with these folks in rehab. Also, he spent every Thanksgiving day with them. Every year, had his Thanksgiving dinner with the people in rehab. Because he'd always say, who are the most needy people Anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And he also began interested in the Crusoe uh, movement there. So he was always open for new opportunities to serve. Where, where it may be, where it would take him, in season or out of season. He was totally mm-hmm. devoted to helping people find Jesus. Mm-hmm.
where are the poor and where are those in need and, and to go there. And, and that program with, with helping people with addictions, and it's a long-term program, but it's had a high success rate because they fully immerse, they kind of unplug from the world and they're very much working with their hands and, and praying regularly and living in community and really fostering that is a, is a really special, special gift. I know that he, as, is, as, a, as a bishop, also was active at the U.S. Bishops Conference. And I remember when they were doing translation questions because he was a Latinist. He had a great gift of languages. Can you speak about that and just his his gift for languages? Yes. He spoke indigenous English, Italian, Spanish, French, German. He was a, a, a scholar of Latin. And when the new mass translation was being formulated, he was instrumental in his Latin, with his Latin skills to strive for accuracy in the translation at the Bishop Conference. Yes, he took the national lead in that capacity. I remember, I think it was Archbishop Lurie in his funeral homily uh, here in Baltimore, where he said, he, he corrected people in the translation and everyone knew uh, that he was the expert <laughs> and his intervention yes. really had great grounding that he would speak up and say, well, the translation really says this. And, you know, That's you just correct. knew you were in a present of a, a giant, uh, especially with Latin. I, I do remember when I was in the rectory with him as a seminarian, I remember he would, he would still read his Greek Bible to keep up on Greek, to read the New Testament yes. in Greek. And, and he loved on his free time, if we weren't praying together, to read it in Spanish, to keep up his Spanish. And that was one of the uh, gifts that he brought when he went to St. Augustine, Florida. Monsignor Farmer, can you just correct? He had, a, he had a unique life that here he was a priest for many years, a bishop. And then after retiring as a bishop, he did the unique thing at entering to live in a monastery, in a Trappist monastery. Can you speak to that? And what, what attracted his heart to do that? When he retired as Bishop of St. Augustine, Florida, he w chose to live in a Trappist monastery in South Carolina, Methkin Abbey. And he went there with the intention of just praying the rest of his life, just having time mm -hmm. for a contemplative prayer, strong with Jesus, with one, one exception. When he, when he arrived, he negotiated with the abbot that he could still do his prison ministry in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And they allowed him to do that. He again focused upon those in death row. So that became a very big part of his life, helping those who were incarcerated, especially those who were facing the death penalty. Mm -hmm. now, up here, when he got back to Baltimore, in, in his last retirement in Baltimore, he had an album from Florida, all the men on death row in Florida, he prayed for them every day. Mm-hmm. That's right, his last years, especially at the Little Sisters of the Poor in Catonsville area. And, yes. and, that, that, and, and speak more about his, his contemplative heart, his contemplative spirit, and how he really, especially his time in the monastery, wasn't just during the time in the monastery, but can you speak more about just this attraction to a contemplative type of living? He was very, very rooted in prayer and contemplation. He had an amazing combination of, of gifts. He had a contemplative spirit with a missionary zeal, which is an amazing person to have both those gifts at the same time. But he had them, and he lived them totally. But he realized that priests are not social workers, that they're Jesus workers. And his ability to pray brought about great results in people's lives.
he prayed. He had a, he had a list. He prayed for every day. It was getting longer and longer all the time. People he knew from all his parishes and, and associations. You probably know that in Baltimore he was the director of the uh, the mission office. So it's amazing one man could do all that he did in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. And he was again a, a priest among priests in the archdiocese. Oh, that everyone knew yes. just a just he had a heart for Christ and a heart for others, and was willing to yes. serve him wherever the Lord Lord had him. Well, we are blessed. I mean, what a, a beautiful story of a priest of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, someone who loved the Lord and loved his people, loved the Catholic Church, one who was a missionary in Peru. And, and remember that story that he almost he almost died on Christmas Eve in Peru, in the mountains of Peru. Like he had like a, yes. a, a very serious illness. And then hepatitis. came back in hepatitis. Wow. And then serving for all the years in, in Baltimore and, and all the connections, many people have stories. And I hope you tell the stories about Father Vic or, or Bishop Victor Gallion. And then as bishop and then living as a monk and then the very hidden, humble life, his, his last days. And God bless the little sisters of the poor and the good love and care for him during his last months and, and years. So, well, Monsignor Farmer, you are blessed to be amongst his closest friends. And we are blessed to hear the stories of him from from you who are so close to him so thank you thank you for joining us today and just sharing those stories thank you father nolan god bless you i'm father brian nolan for catholic review radio may god bless you you're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local tv station the catholic review is the only publication in the archdiocese of baltimore that covers the catholic church full-time There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.